Hello, Matt here. Now, I don't normally do this, but I'm going to play you a little snippet from the end of today's episode. Oh, my God. We're, just, we're destroying ourselves. Nobody can see the gleeful smile on Matt's face. <laughs> it's the drama. I love the drama. You are a lord of misrule, sir. We are on a journey with our final episode of season five. It's going to get ugly. It's going to get messy. But all in all, we'll all learn lessons about one another and ultimately come out of the whole thing better people. Enjoy. I've just about had enough of you. I'm more than machine. A man here. I am at your disposal with 187 other languages along with their various dialects and Hello, and welcome to another episode of 50 Years of Shit Robots with Matt Brown, hello, and Stephen Murray. Hello. And Nick Crosby. Well, good morning. Hello, Nick. Uh, So, Nick, you are on the show because you are uh, our Doctor Who expert. Hmm, using the word expert uh, as loosely as possible there. It's doing a lot of heavy lifting, I I feel, that (laughs) word. Um, Nick, you're a voice actor, right? Yes, that's right. Yes, I record audiobooks. What books are you most known for? I'm most known for Sherlock Holmes books. Amazing. It turns out there are lots of authors writing contemporary Sherlock Holmes stories. And right. they all require voicing. And they come to you? They do, they do. So what is your, what is your Sherlock Holmes voice? Do you mind me like, asking you these to, to basically perform like no. a monkey? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Sherlock Holmes is very... Um, you know, deeper than mine. Good. Obviously a very sort of received pronunciation, that sort of thing, you know. How about Watson? What does Watson sound like? Watson's my voice. Um, okay. Lighter, easier. But, but, but with a slight southern accent, which I don't have. I mean, I used to love watching the Basil Rathbone, Sherlock Holmes. Oh, yes, always used Nigel to be, Bruce. Yeah, always used to be playing on BBC Two mm-hmm. at like tea, tea time when I was a kid. <laughs> yes, for some that's right. But um, I was, I'm not a big fan of Nigel Bruce as, as Watson. No, he's a bit bumbling, isn't he? He's too bumbling, isn't he? He's like, well, well, I don't know what you're talking about, Holmes. It's all of that sort of stuff, isn't it? Exactly, exactly. No, I avoided that, actually. I made my Watson a little bit more, uh, a little bit more switched on, shall we say. Yeah, he's got to be though, isn't he? Because he's, he's us, isn't he, I suppose? Yeah, and that's li- right. Literally, he's you. Well, indeed, <laughs> he is now. <laughs> I feel a bit left out. I feel like I'm Moriarty. Dr Stephen Murray has... A magnificent but slightly sinister facial hair situation. Mm. It's a proto Ming the Merciless. <laughs> it's a very, very proto Merciless, definitely. So, Nick, you're 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 on the show today because we have, we have been journeying through time, looking at all of the robot films. Mm. We're also looking at TV shows as well, and we have come to December 1963. Yes, uh, the excitement of the Daleks. Yeah. Before we get into the nitty gritty of the episodes that we've watched, the seven seven episodes, it's a seven episode cycle. This first it is. Dalek story. Nick, what, what's your what's your first memory of of the of the Daleks, and, and are they your favourite Doctor Who robot slash? Uh, antagonist. Oh gosh, yeah, definitely, without shadow of doubt, they're my favourite. Um, yeah. I, I, I love Dalek episodes, even now, actually, in the in the modern series. My first memory. Oh gosh, you can summarise it in one word: terror, right. absolute terror. 
I mean, I remember my mum taking me to a Doctor Who exhibition in Blackpool, I think. I'd been about five. And all I can remember is the absolute terror of seeing three or four Daleks on a raised stage, obviously on rails, kind of going around, screaming exterminate. And I literally thought I was going to die. I saw oh. the very same exhibit when it was in Middlesbrough. I wasn't as terrified. I was a, I was older because I am a man of a certain vintage. Mm. Um, I was in awe, but also realising just how horrific they are. Yeah, but you are old enough to to have watched these these go out, aren't you? The first time I watched Doctor Who, I watched it from inside the box that the television arrived in. I cut a hole in it and I sat in the box and watched the television through that. No. See, my mother used to work at Rediffusion, so we got we were like one of the first in the street to get a television. Did people come around to your house to watch yeah, the television? They did. So, Stephen Murray, what was your first memory of the Daleks? In that episode, I think it was the the moment where she sees the Dalek for the first time and all we see is a plunger. Yeah, Barbara. And then, yeah, Barbara. And then she screams and then it, it, it was like the cliffhanger and then you yeah. had to wait a week. There was a routine in my house. There was the football, the football scores, a crisp sandwich, <laughs> which would have been my tea, and then Doctor Who. The first time I remember watching the Daleks was in a colour episode. In my memory, it's got lots of... It's like a war. So it's got, like, like people running around in army fatigues, I think. I've got a feeling it was probably a Tom Baker episode. But it felt very uh, Nazi. Yeah, this was a thing that Terry Nation wanted the Daleks to have that completely totalitarian, relentless, unfeeling kind of thing. And in England at the time, we were coming to grips with the um, the final solution. There was a TV programme called The Ascent of Man, and I think the last episode dealt with the Holocaust. So Terry Nation is the person who wrote these episodes. He was. He wrote for Tony Hancock, actually. Um, but Hancock apparently frequently overlooked the stuff that uh, Nation sent him. So either Hancock sacked Nation or Nation left. It's not quite clear which one. Yeah. Um, was it too Dalek-y for It could have uh, been, Hancock. couldn't it? <laughs> it could have been. So looking back, so, so the, the, the episodes that we've been watching, which are called... The, the Dead Planet, this sort of cycle, I guess, isn't it? It is, Nick? yeah. Is that right? Originally just entitled The Daleks, actually. But The Dead Planet or The Mutants is an alternative right. title as well. And it, it's um, it was seven weeks and it started just before Christmas 1963 and ran through to the 1st of February 1964. One of my sort of comments on watching this is how hard it is to watch. I mean, I tried to watch all the episodes in one go oh. yesterday. Whereas I should have done it for one episode and then waited for a week to watch the next episode. It kind of robs you of something, I suppose, doesn't it, when you binge it rather than, than watch it as, as, as Terry Nation and nature intended. Yeah, it's interesting that, isn't it? Because um, a lot of the streaming services will release everything in one go now, won't they? So you don't sort of have that sort of cliffhanger thing going on. But I know what you mean about it, though, because I watched them over yeah. two days, actually, because I kind of lost the will to live, to be honest. Should I, should, should I be saying that? Should I be saying that? <laughs> Yes, that's fine. <laughs> so, I mean, very briefly, just the, the sort of the, the plot of these episodes. Doctor Who and his granddaughter, Susan, <laughs> they're accompanied by two people, one who's called Ian and one yeah. who's called Barbara. Now, who are these people? I didn't understand who these well, people were. Well, they're Susan's school teachers, bizarrely. They notice that she's rather bright. 
and they don't really know anything about her and they follow her back to uh, this junkyard where the TARDIS is. Yeah, and she goes into the she goes into the the TARDIS or the, or the police box, and then mm. they then they follow her in. So uh, they're kind of concerned, or yes. cre- or creepy. Well, I mean, it's, I think it's fair for a teacher to be concerned if you're living in a small box in a yeah. junkyard. Yeah, yeah. and your grandfather. <laughs> so you're twenty three, and your grandfather's fifty five, which is uh, <laughs> which is also a bit strange. <laughs> That's a bit strange. Is he really 55 he at this time, William Hart? Absolutely. Hartnell? You can't believe really? it, can you? He looks a lot older. Oh, my God. You can't. Yeah, I know. He looks so old. That's extraordinary. It is. So Doctor Who, his, his granddaughter and her teachers arrive on this planet. The planet is home to the Daleks. They encounter the Daleks, and the Daleks are in, in a, some sort of territorial dispute with uh, a race of people, the Thals. And they try and broker a peace between the Daleks and the Thals. It, it all ends badly. Um, they think they've wiped the Daleks out and then they leave. Yeah. That's sort of the rough plot. It, of it, it is, isn't it? yeah. If only it had been that yes, short in real life. Yeah. <laughs> yes. we, we, don't, we, we only see a little bit of a Dalek in the first episode. But my goodness, it is quite a quite a moment. It is isn't quite it? a moment actually for something which was designed to look like a pepper pot by the uh, Dalek designer Raymond Cusick. But it is, isn't it? There's something really sinister about it. Even now, I don't think it's lost its uh, its sinister feel. One of the, the one of the teachers, Barbara, um, they're all exploring an abandoned city mm. or a seemingly abandoned city. And uh, they split up to look for something and Barbara encounters the Daleks and you basically see everything from the Dalek's point of view in, in, in this bit. And, and the only bit of the Dalek you see is this arm, and that's all you see. And, and it does, you're right, it does have the look of a plunger about it, I suppose. But the terror on the actor who plays Barbara, I mean, she absolutely nails that scene, I thought. Yeah, it's very, very good, isn't it? Unlike yeah. some of the other performances, which can be a, a little bit shaky, can't they? Just yeah. Just like the sense. <laughs> Yeah, the re- the Thal I thought were, was just hilarious. And I feel like that's when I tapped out of the episode was as soon as the Thal. Yeah, the with the shoulder pads. Yeah, and the, the blonde hair. It's quite interesting that the the these totalitarian Nazi relentless creatures, and then they're they're doing battle with these tall blonde. Rather fit looking other creatures, the Thal. Oh, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about it in those terms. It's, it's a little that. bit like John Wyndham's The, the Midwich Cuckoos. Yeah. Because that came out at a time when, when people were still getting information about the Second World War. It was all coming out. And then John Wyndham's response is to create a race of blonde haired, blue eyed, emotionless Horrors. creatures. But they have made contact with the Thal. The storyline, again, this is I found this quite interesting because of other films we've watched in this podcast series of around this time, because there is a there's a sort of a nuclear element to the storyline, isn't there? Mm. There was a, a neutron war. And the doctor tells us that neutron bombs will destroy human tissue. Um, so flesh, but they won't destroy buildings and so on. It turns out that uh, there is radiation toxicity on the planet and the Thals have developed anti-radiation vaccines, for want of a better term, um, which the the Daleks want. 
they use these vaccines and discover that they're toxic to themselves. And so they make the uh, leap that they need more radiation in the planet's atmosphere in order for the Daleks themselves to prosper. Uh, so they, in a sense, the, the Daleks are the first sort of anti-vaxxers on the planet, I think, back in 1963, <laughs> yeah. deciding this isn't good for them. So the plan is to detonate another neutron device in the planet's atmosphere for the benefit of the Daleks. And that basically is the crux of the story here. So, so that was interesting because we've been watching a lot of films of the atomic age. Did you sort of like make that connection with this particularly? Yeah, very much so. The neutron bomb was a real thing. I found the uh, the concept of the neutron bomb a lot more terrifying than than total annihilation with a, an atom bomb or a H bomb. What's the difference? It's it's a low yield. You get a small explosion, but a, a vast spreading of neutrons, which kill all life but leave the infrastructure. And I think the radiation from that has a, a lower half-life right. so that you can go back, at, you can go in after a period of time and the infrastructure's there, the buildings are there, uh, and so you can take over. So it's a lot more insidious. Mm. But, but but very in keeping, I thought, the theme thematically yes. with films like The Mysterians and Planet of Storms as well. Planet of Storms, yeah. Yeah. And I thought that was it was nice to be able to sort of like put that in context that this TV uh, cycle is sort of feeding off the the culture in the way that the the films had done. Uh one thing that I liked as well early on was there was a, a lovely little bit, a little bit of fun when Ian and Barbara the teachers complain about being a bit hungry. And <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so the doctor uh, uses it's a it's a way of, of delivering food that was is reminiscent to anyone who's seen Star Trek. It's it's that sort of vibe, isn't it? Where you say, sort of say what you want, and the machine makes it for you. Yes, it's, it's a, replicator. a replicator, absolutely. But unlike in Star Trek, the food comes out wrapped, doesn't it? Which I which I liked, <laughs> like a chocolate bar. Exactly <laughs> that. Exactly that. I loved that. It, it is, isn't it? It's programmed J sixty two L six, which is bacon and eggs. And it's remarked upon that the bacon's not too salted. And Hartnell says very proudly, well, it's English. I just thought that was wonderful. <laughs> it's great, wasn't it? Great. There was a lot of stuff like this coming out in science. That, that Tomorrow's World had come along in about 1965, I think. That was full of, you know, in the future, everybody would be just eating these pills or these small uh, compact things that have every nutrient in that you like. How Again, wrong they were. We, we're in the new. We're in the nuclear age, and yeah. we're in the throes of the Cold War. But when it comes to science, it was very optimistic. One thing I was going to ask, actually, Nick, was: were these live? No, they were all recorded. And in fact, there was a problem because uh, when they recorded the first episode, they had feedback. They could hear feedback from the technicians' um, headphones. Right. So they had to re-record episode one, which pushed everything back by a week. So no, they weren't okay. live. There's there's a feeling about them where. It feels like they're encouraged, even if they make mistakes, to just plough on, like they would if they were in a play. Would you have a talk with her? Yes, of course I will. Yes. Uh, you know, sometimes I find the gulf between Susan's age and mine makes difficult uh, understanding between I'll us. I'll see what I can do. Oh, would you? Thank you. Thank you very much. In one episode, I can't remember which it is, Ian overcomes a Dalek. They pop the lid off, scoop out what's inside, and then Ian gets into the shell of the Dalek. But we sort of get a, get an indication that inside the Dalek is a sort of a, a kind of like a creature. They scoop it out with a blanket 
and put the blanket on the floor and then a, a hand appears from underneath the blanket. Yes, it's very sinister, isn't it? Although, when I discovered as a kid that there was a creature living inside them, somehow they didn't seem quite as sinister to me. So right. maybe there's something about something organic there, potentially having, you know, more feeling, shall we say, more compassion, perhaps is the word. Somehow it seemed um, slightly less worrying. Yeah, and, and that scene where the, the hand comes out from underneath the blanket it was really reminiscent of the end scene of war of the worlds oh, the nice. film the 1950s mm. film where where the sort of like the, the the spaceship um hatch falls down and you see like a hand you know an alien hand sort of trying to scramble for the door sort of thing i remember having a very similar sensation when i saw that thinking oh there's something inside it and i and i did wonder whether whether the daleks had been in some way inspired by either hg wells or or the film that 1950s film. War of the Worlds is a massively influential book, considering mm. when it was written and considering the structure of the book as well. I think um, it, it was hugely influential, so it probably. But I think this is why we consider the Daleks to be robots, because a lot of people I've said we're going to do Daleks on the podcast, and they said, well, they're not robots. And I said, but they rely on that uh, mechanism to exist. So yeah. they are. So I've got a copy of the the Dalek Survival Handbook from 2002, which is obviously a a must-have tome, you know. And um, the Dalek creature exists sort of suspended in this nutrient-rich fluid inside the casing of this Dalek and is literally linked in to the computers on board and the visual systems from the eye stalk and so on. So, yes, they're very much a cyborg, I think. I I tell you what else I thought was quite sinister. The, The iris would open and shut. And then oh, yeah. there's that point where the Dalek is really panicking. And then there's another point where he's help, shouting, Help, get... help, help. <laughs> oh, God. That's quite good, that, I isn't it? I love it when you do that. <laughs> Have you got your ring modulator out there, Matt Brown? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, so they, they're, even though they're kind of incredibly spiteful, they're really terrible, they do have moments of panic and emotion, yeah. especially in later episodes, a, a lot later, especially the episodes for the reboot in the in the noughties yeah. when they begin to panic because they've recognised the Doctor. You're right. It feels like you should just be able to sit them down and they, through therapy, they would become nicer because there's that of what you just said. There's that sort of uh, there is that vulnerability to them and they're just being arseholes, aren't they? They're just sort of like lashing out at everything. Yeah, they've had it bred out of them, though, haven't they? By their creator. That's what we find out in later series. Right. So they've had all compassion and emotion just wiped out. Oh, that's a shame, isn't it? I think it's it is. the first time in this podcast that you've called one of the uh, robots an arsehole. <laughs> <laughs> one other thing about the Daleks that happens uh, here is is we get to see their sort of weaponry in action. Bicardigandian tries to make a run for it from them, and they zap him, and they he he loses the use of his legs. Yes, but only temporarily. Isn't that amazing? It's just one of these gadgets that you buy that it's got like a pincery thing that you can pick cherries up with and that seems to be inside the gun that's just pushed out we're really really getting into the 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 mind of uh dr murray here aren't we with his crisp sandwiches and his his that he needs a tool to pick up cherries it's for my cocktails darling <laughs> cherry picking tool one thing i like about this this season is that the Doctor is fixed. He's incredibly selfish. 
Yes. He's, he's, he's a danger to everybody around him. And this carries on right up to now. Uh, that is fixed. The only thing that's a bit weird is he's got a granddaughter. So is she from Gallifrey? A couple of seasons later, he leaves her on a planet. She is a bit annoying. <laughs> well, she's fallen in love with somebody from the future, I think, and uh, and he realises that she's all grown up now, so he just leaves her. Yeah. <laughs> just abandons her. I was really shocked at how dangerous he is and how he basically puts everyone in jeopardy. He nearly mm. kills everybody. He yeah. nearly gives everyone radiation sickness because he wants to check out this city. And there's no charm about him, is there, in the way that there is with your David Tennant's or your Tom Baker's. I mean, he is quite a charmless doctor. Tom Baker would do it with a smile, wouldn't he? And, uh, He'd yeah. abandon his granddaughter with a smile. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> William Hartnell is just a very dour, very old man, isn't he? Yeah, he's, he's just just exhibiting pure selfishness, isn't he, all the way through, basically. This all is what I through, want to yeah. do. Did, did you read what he earned, though, per episode? No. Well, let me tell you this, because I know you like a conversion, Matt. <laughs> so I've done it for you. Oh, my God, you. he listens to oh, the podcast. Oh, I listen to the podcast. <laughs> so he was earning £315 per episode by 1996. That seems like that's quite a lot. It is quite a lot. Would you like to when know how much? N- yes, yes, please. Yes, I please. Convert it, please, Nick. <laughs> £4,780 per episode, and he worked okay. for 48 weeks of the year. So, assuming that one week was one episode, that's just under £230,000 a year in today's money. It's quite a lot of money, isn't it? not bad at all, is it? He was a second cousin of the fashion designer Norman Hartnell, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, Who, of course... Queen's dressmaker. Absolutely. He actually famously made her coronation gown. There is another little tidbit about somebody quite famous who almost designed the Daleks. Uh, And that was Ridley Scott. He was a designer at the what? BBC. I know. Yeah. A designer at the BBC, but unfortunately was too busy to do it. So they gave the gig instead to uh, Raymond Cusick, um, who worked for the BBC, and uh, he actually created the Daleks. But he didn't own the copyright, um, whereas Terry Nation shared copyright with the BBC. Really? So they bought him out, for, gave him an ex-Grelshire payment of £150 when they bought him out, which is about £1,500 in today's money. But I'm glad that Terry Nation had uh, copyright, though. He did, but it caused problems when when they brought the series back in 2015 because his estate wanted more control over what happened to the Daleks, and that's why it took ages and ages and ages before there was a Dalek episode in the David Tennant Ah, years. Interesting. Very interesting. Mm. So we've had some comments that have come in from people who listen to the show. So Martin Bodie. Him and his friend, David Sturt, planned to build a Dalek uh, at home. They were 12. Uh, and uh, they didn't manage to build the Dalek, but they built a synthesizer instead and imitated the Dalek voice. Now, <laughs> oh, that's, Dave that's, Sturt, that sounds amazing. Dave Sturt went on to be uh, one of the founder members of the band Gong. Brilliant. So he, as a young, budding musician, he was inspired by the Daleks. Yeah, he was a session musician for uh, Pink Floyd, David Bowie. He's, uh, he's still going. Uh, Brilliant. Doing really well. Kevin said, uh, for some reason or other, he said he thought Roy Castle was terrifying and he watched it all on a coin-operated television. <laughs> that seems extraordinary. Sarah Perk said uh, she always wondered how they navigated stairs. Leslie Ann uh, said uh, she thought the Daleks were a bit shit, uh, yeah. but her first crush was Tom Baker. It was at the teeth with Tom Baker. 
flashing smile. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> Uh, Malcolm Clement said he had a toy Dalek and his uncle was killed by the Cybermen twice. And his uncle's called Alan Clements and he was an extra. Oh, wow, that's good. That's quite the claim to fame, actually, isn't it? Isn't it? So good, they killed him twice. <laughs> Rob Witten said that Davros used to scare the crap out of him. Yeah, same. Elaine Pearson said, My mum and dad made my sister a Dalek costume for the Aircliff Town Carnival in about 1964 or 5. It was made of cardboard, gaffer tape and egg boxes painted with uh, paint left over from uh, her dad's car paint job. She went to the fair dressed as a dice. <laughs> Good times. <laughs> not, not, perhaps not what? quite as terrifying. <laughs> what a carnival. Well, thank you for all the comments that we had about the Daleks. Um, just goes to show, I suppose, how much of our imagination they've they've captured over the years, doesn't it? Yeah. Okay, so we need to rate the robot, rate the Dalek. Now, Nick, just to reiterate, if, if we give a, a robot a, a 7 out of 10 or higher, it means that they are not shit. So, as our guest, would you like to... What, what, what's your feeling about this? Difficult one, isn't it? Because they weren't great at this stage, but they do get an awful lot better, don't they? So, yeah. I think I've got to give them at least a seven for that reason alone. I, I feel like we've got to contain it, it to this episode. Ooh. or this. Do you know what oh. I mean? Because it's... I would say that Daleks are definitely not shit robots. However, mm. we are judging them on these episodes. Oh, gosh. And I, mean, I think that they're not great in these episodes, are they? I mean, one thing that, that I thought was, was, I mean, it was very funny, a very funny scene was when Ian overcomes the, the Dalek because it's, it's quite, it seems quite easy. Yes, Don't you yes think? it does, yeah. And, and if you're, you know, obtaining that's... your power source from the floor and, and, and that alone, <laughs> I mean, you know. Yeah, you're asking for trouble, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, you are. Yeah, they're basically they're just dodgem cars, aren't they? Because they obtain their power source. From, well, I know it's from above, but it's the same sort of thing, isn't it? Yeah, oh, yeah, never thought. Is, yeah. There, is there any truth in the rumor that it's a tri- there's a tricycle under them and there's somebody on a tricycle? Only in the outdoor scenes, actually. So they were. Oh, really? Yeah, they were. Not, they were on wow. nylon casters when they were filmed in Lime Grove for these original series. But when they went outdoors, they used uh, tricycles because they <laughs> had to get over paving stones. But the problem was that you can hear it going click, 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 click over, the, and, and there's no way of removing that at the time. So you can still hear it if you listen to those outdoor scenes. So yes, That's there amazing. is truth in that. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd say that they they seemed quite easily defeated. Is all I'd say. Yes, very easily defeated. I mean, does yeah. that change how you feel about about them? Do you still want to give them a seven, or are you? Are no, you, um... no, I'm, no. I'm dropping my I'm dropping my marks now. And now we're, we're only uh, judging on this particular episode. I'm going to go for a four. <laughs> I know, wow. I know. I'm being harsh. I'm being harsh. Go. I'm going to go with seven because I remember it originally. Yeah. And for me, that was a moment that they they became iconic in the first their first iteration for me and i think that the viewing figures probably bear that out don't you? yeah they do yeah very much so that it started at like six million or seven million and then rose to like 11 million as that as that's this mini dalek season sort of uh, yeah i want to give them a seven because i i think even back then they they've they just marched Mm. straight into iconic status i i i feel i'm gonna I'm, i'm gonna be a bit bit more nick about them than you are Oh man, I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna give them a five. Mm. Are we gonna even this out? I think we can take an aggregate score, can't we? Mm. Go on then. Just over five, isn't it? 
I think that's fair. Five point. The five pair point of three. Yeah. Mean. I mean, we're going to come back to the Daleks, aren't oh, we, yeah, at some yeah, point? Definitely. And that I'm sure there will be a point at which they're not shit. Probably even the next iteration of them might not be shit. I, I, it does feel weird, actually, saying that they're shit. Guilt. It, That's what it is. It is strange, isn't it? Because I went into this thinking that they're not shit, but actually... Yeah. It depends. I've been persuaded. I've been persuaded. Oh, but Matt, Matt can Matt can persuade you of anything. Yes, I know. <laughs> I think it's because I'm looking at it through a modern lens. But as you say, Stephen, if you were looking, you know, back then, they would have been terrifying, wouldn't they? So, how do you feel? Do you feel, Nick? That I mean, I'm I'm tempted to to nudge my score up a bit. It's I don't a, know how you feel. It's a tough one, isn't it? It it does very much depend on to what extent we're um, judging the entire Dalek canon versus this particular we're, series. Yeah, I, we're not, we're not, we've got, to, we've got to get rid of the entire, and you have to as well, Stephen Murray. I never thought that the scoring would turn into bullying. <laughs> but, so based on these episodes, we've got, we've, we've got, we've got admittedly terrifying, they are terrifying, I'd say, to a, to a kid, I can imagine they'd be terrifying. But they also, they also are a bit shit as well, aren't they? Yeah, it is hard. They kind of, they kind of do remain shit for a long time because they're, they're very easily. Once you get to the denouement of the episodes or, or the season, they tend to be vanquished fairly uh, easily. Yeah. Okay, so we are saying then. I mean, this is. I'm surprised that these words are even coming out of my mouth. We're saying that the Daleks in this in this ep- these episodes are shit robots. Well, it still feels funny. It feels wrong, doesn't it? It feels wrong. I mean, I never <laughs> yes, thought we'd get to so here. Right. Nobody can see the gleeful smile on Matt's face. <laughs> <laughs> it's the drama. I love the drama. You are a lord of misrule, sir. <laughs> well, I mean, we don't have to. I mean, you know, if, if we think that it's not a shit robot, then let's, let's say it's not a shit robot. Well, how about you, Nick? Do you want to change it so that they're not shit? I don't know, because they on all the sort of aspects that you use to decide whether a robot is shit they are aren't they in this this series it's just that they're so iconic that it almost feels like they can't be but there again i don't know but i mean i suppose in a way doctor who as a series is a bit shit isn't it (gasps) i mean in in i mean that in a way of like it's your wobbly sets and you know your um, embarrassing shots of famous actors who started off as some character in Do- Doctor Who, you know, in the seventies, wearing a nappy or something. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's always. Do you know what I mean? It's got that has got that homespun sort of Britishness about it, hasn't it? Sixty years, <laughs> sixty years of sixty utter shit. years, and you're. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, god we're, we're just we're destroying god. ourselves are you still there Nick? i i'm sorry i'm just ringing the samaritans <laughs> do you think is that is that a, is that a fair assessment or is that is that not you, I, that I think it is rubbish. i think it is i never thought this this episode would turn into a our conclusion is that, is that all of doctor who is a bitch <laughs> <laughs> you, you keep saying it and, you know, we're just going to get... I think we're going to get our first slew of hate mail. Yeah, I think this, this is the end of the podcast. It, well, it's been fun, chaps. Yeah, this is it. <laughs> Nick was there at the end. I was there at the end. Uh, I don't wow. know. I, I so wanted them not to be shit, but actually they are. The evidence speaks for itself, I'm afraid it? it does. <laughs> amazing. What an amazing end to the season. This is our season finale episode. 
And I mean, I'm going to have to have a, a lie down over the summer thinking about what we've just done. In yeah. a Swiss clinic. Yeah, we've basically ruined childhoods, I think, today. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nick, thank you so much for joining us on the episode. Oh, did you have a nice time? I did. Thank you for having me. It's great fun. And we'd love to get you back to um, watch the, the non-canon films. Unless you, we've all been murdered by Doctor Who fans. <laughs> That's right. Do they have our home dresses? <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, on that bombshell, we're going to take a little break for the summer. We're going to be back uh, all robots blazing in the autumn with the next season. And there is some good stuff coming up in season six. So uh, please listen to back episodes. Fill your boots with that. Have a great summer. We will see you very soon. Goodbye. Goodbye. We the Daleks. <laughs>